0: Gloomy, mostly Euclidean confines of Castle Gormagon, upon the lofty, wind blasted heights of the Plateau of Lang, I am Confucius
1: the Ecumenical Volgi, and this is Radio Gormagon.
0: All right. Welcome to another edition of Radio Gormagon. Today we've got a pretty full
2: house. We've got the Czar. Hello, I'm the guy that puts the Sri and Sri Racha. and the uh, guy in Guy and Pepper. And Dr. J. Hello, listeners.
0: And the Mandarin. Obey me. And fresh off the
3: golf course, Pewter. And I didn't even get arrested today. And I was harmlessly pervy the whole time.
0: Excellent, excellent.
3: So uh, we took a
0: poll before earlier this week about what we should talk about, and given some of the recent things in the news and conversations on Twitter, we're going to focus on D.C. statehood, the Senate, Electoral College, uh, bicameralism might creep in there, maybe even the definition of a federal republic. So with that, I'm going to open it up and put out there for you all. What is your thought as to kind of the current state of thinking around our federal republic, which is by definition, the form of government that this country has?
2: There there is none. It's a a democracy. We're going to eliminate the states. Uh, We're going to try to uh, eliminate any state representation by expanding the Senate, destroying the individual states' rights by abolishing the Electoral College and going exactly to the autocracy that pure democracy provides. I think I've got that right.
3: It's, it sounded right. Um, yeah, no, I I agree with Czar, for once.
2: It seems to be the plan.
3: That's true, because if I didn't agree with Czar, he'd decapitate me. I'd also like to hop back for a second and just just say, you know, when we're... Like, when,
2: like I have an axe that big. That's true,
3: because I've got a giant head, at least the upper one. So I want to jump back to what Gort said during the intro about... Taking a poll, and I just like to be really clear that he was talking about the P O L L kind and not the P O L E kind of poll, because that would be wrong.
4: Now you the, tell me, the,
3: yeah, poor Mandy. The I, I think Zard's got it exactly right, and I think some of this has been coming for a long time, and that the populism, times of populism, are always they have the capacity to be inflection points or, or you know, sort of tipping points, if you will. I think you saw some of that back, in, you know, sort of the Wilsonian Roosevelt era progressivism, um, the you know, the original, not Progressive 2.0. Um, where you saw, you know, when they got rid of direct election, um, when they actually added direct election senators, I think that caused a lot of problems. Um, and I think that's where you've sort of gotten off. And I think it's been exacerbated by <clears throat> the tendency post-civil rights era to push much of the legislative function for the unpopular and difficult choices that the legislature is designed to make off onto the courts and to the executive branch. So the executive branch through the creation of agencies, and I think that although this ship has sailed, and it has been sailed for a long time, um, that permitting agencies to have any legislative function or any judicial function, and not just Sort of a panel of experts, sort of idea, um, has just been horrible for our for our government. And one mm-hmm. last thing: if you couple that with it with the the lack of a broad based tax, when you have a, a population now where less than half the people pay net income tax, um, and in fact many people get significant benefits back despite paying nothing in. Um, it, it's you've got a population who is primed for a populist eat the rich and and we can vote ourselves rich while sitting on our asses and doing nothing sort of progressivism 2.0 so that's my lead-in
4: I think what you're seeing too is I mean just going back to Biden's speech the other night things aren't moving fast enough we have to keep moving and I think the progressive movement has basically come to the point where they need everything gone. They need this wiped away because they can't wait any longer. Now is the time. If we don't act now, the seas will rise, the, the cows will farts will kill us all, and you know we'll be eating bugs within no time. I, I really think that they've, they've seen that the government now is an impediment. I mean, you look at it now with Joe Manchin, who's come out and said he's not going to be in favor of packing the courts, not going to be in favor of D.C. statehood. I mean, I'm surprised they haven't lynched him already at this point. But again, you're seeing that these people can't wait. They've they've seen they can go to the streets, they can riot, they can get their way, and it's only going to get worse. And unless I don't want to say the conservatives step up, because I think sometimes that ship is sailed by you look at the Lincoln Project, things of that nature. Somebody's got to you know come back and say, look, understand how the government really works. And I think that's part of the issue too. Is there's no real, real understanding. There's no real civics taught in school anymore, and you've got a bunch of children who have never been told no. They stomped her foot and mommy gives them a lollipop. And I think you really start to see that transfer into, into politics and that people think that, well, I, I, this is what I want. Why am I getting it? And these other agencies and governments or branches of government are getting in the way. And I think what you're seeing is that bureaucratic state is really where people are bypassing, like you said, the normal process that slows things down for a reason.
2: I think that you're exactly right. I'll even go push that one little step further. And say, I think the difference between the Democratic voters who agree that we can't wait anymore, uh, I think it's more the case uh, the Democratic Party is starting to realize they can't win anymore. Uh, this last election, I, I honestly think their minds are blown that, that Trump lost. I think they were surprised. Uh, and, uh, you know, w- while they're all publicly high-fiving each other about what a great job they did, and, uh, you know, whether or not they got caught is another podcast for another time, but... Uh, I, I think they realize that. Look how many people voted for the other party. Look how many minorities voted for the other party. Anytime I've seen, and you know, I've said this on other other media before, but anytime you see that the the uh, the Democrats are starting to lose the House, they may not hold on to the presidency in the next election. They've lost the Supreme Court. That's when you start saying all these things that are trying to stack the odds in their favor. Let's you know, go with proportionate uh representation in the Senate because that gives California, you know, the, the winning winning decision. Uh let's make DC a state. Why? Because, well, that's almost certainly gonna add two Democratic senators and uh at least one Democratic rep. Let's eliminate the Electoral College. Why? Well, because we can't win. And, you know, with the especially with the new makeup of the electoral college that we've seen. Um, you know I, I think everybody noticed that the the recent analytics shows that it absolutely solidifies you know george w bush 's win if if everybody just voted based on on how their states represent it 's a guaranteed win for Republicans, not so much you know when it was uh, for Romney, not so much when it was for Trump, but um, the new electoral college definitely gives the Republicans an advantage and packing the Supreme Court because we are not going to be able to get control of the Senate. We are not going to be able to get control of the Supreme Court unless we start packing now.
1: Yeah, I think the big tipping point was the Supreme Court for them because, I mean, they've always wanted to do these grabs before. But when um, Trump got three nominees, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg's replacement with Amy Coney Barrett, that flipped the senators into just losing their absolutely ever-living minds. And at that point, it became... You know, we don't have that backstop anymore where we could just have something go to the courts and, you know, somebody will see a penumbra of an emanation of something and everything will be just fine uh, and overturn that law. I mean, even they even had uh, John Roberts, you know, a little bit weak need on a lot of decisions. And so, I mean, we'll see how this court goes with uh, ostensibly five originalist judges, uh, one wobble kneed person, and three others. And, um, <clears throat> I heard Biden's people were trying to get uh, Breyer to retire so that they could at least swap out with a younger version uh, because they were really hacked off in the Obama era that Ruth Bader Ginsburg wouldn't retire conveniently for them.
0: Yeah, so let's pull a, – a couple of you mentioned um, or touched on a thread that I want to pull, right? Doc, you mentioned about legislation that would go in front of the Supreme Court and therefore get see, mm, ruled on to be kind there. Um, rather than legislated there. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was some other comments around, uh, you know, civics and and the lack of education around civics. I would posit, and, and I'd welcome your comments on it, I would posit that not only is civics not being taught, but we have drifted away from having the three branches operate the way they're designed to operate in the framing documents, right? The The legislative branch isn't carrying its weight and not making as pewter alluded to the hard decisions of of passing laws that might not be popular but might be needed um and then the executive branch on the enforcement of those laws and following those so and and then you get into the legislative uh uh, judicial branch so pewter do you want to comment on that yeah
3: yeah, I mean I, to expand my. I mean, I, I think when things, you know, I can get, I can you can go back as far as you want. I mean, you could go back to Marbury or Madison, where Marshall basically made up the doctrine of judicial review out of thin air. Um, but you know, again, and that ship sailed. You know, you go to Wickard and Filburn, you go to like a million different cases where just things started, the wheels started falling off. But it just, it just gets frustrating that people don't understand the historical function, or even history, you know, they don't understand the way our government works in many cases, because they just want the result. It's it's a typical left um, where the ends justify the means. It, you know, we had to slaughter 20 million people to bring communism into being, that's fine. You know, because that's the perfect utopian world. You know, and this is like, if we have to destroy the entire framing of government to get the results we want, which is, you know, like, what do they call them, survival checks? That's fine. But if you, I think where you started seeing the modern strain of progressivism and sort of this push, and this is one of my psychotic theories, where Congress figured out and the Democrats figured out they could push stuff to the courts and avoid the vast majority of people who are like, what the hell are you doing? We didn't vote for this. You know, um, I think that goes back to the civil rights era. And bear with me for a moment because <laughs> this is sort of a – dangerous topic to tread on and i just want to preface this whole topic with the civil rights movement was great it was necessary it was needed where where we are today racially because of it but i think what you saw in the civil rights movement was a resort to the courts where the courts were enforcing on states in ways that they the courts really don't have clear jurisdiction to do notions of how these things have to operate what had to be done right so so I will grant, and I will say this out loud so that nobody's mistaken. I think it was a bad decision at the time, like to sort of, because once you open that box, it's Pandora's box, you can't cram everything back in. I think they opened that box for the right purpose. And I think that that was a needed and necessary correction because there were just states that were not going to make those changes that were one, required to be made, and two, just needed to happen. They were actively working against the changes and doing everything they could so the courts were sort of used to end run sort of the democratic mostly South that was hell-bent on you know keeping black people down um and you know for another topic we could talk about how that might still be the case but in a kinder gentler golden chains way um but so what they saw there was that we can use the courts to affect social change right and what they would consider and what America considers at that point, just with civil rights needed social change. Then you got Roe versus Wade, right? Because it's sort of built, you know, then you sort of had this court deciding, you know, well, cops can't do this and can't do this. And there's, that was more sort of in keeping, but you sort of started seeing more social items bubble up after that through the courts that were nowhere near the scale of civil rights issues, you know? So like Roe versus Wade, people like, Oh, that's, you know, or, you know, what is, there's a million of them. But, you know, sort of all that, that I forget what they all are, but there was that, like, sort of birth control it was the Connecticut one. Um, and then the Roe versus Connecticut. Thank you. And, but, you know, you sort of get all these social cases coming up and getting crammed down by, you know, I guess it was seven, six or seven unelected men, you know, in, in robes in funny dresses, right? And that's not the people that got voted in to make the laws. So you saw that and then you get to Obergefell Right. where out of whole cloth, despite the fact that the nation is rapidly moving towards gay marriage through the legislative process, just cramming down social issues down America's throat. And that's that's really where you, I think you started seeing the, at least judicial disconnect where people, America and the left now sees it as a super legislator. Legislature. So I don't know. So that's sort of my thought, at least as, as far as the judiciary. And I think Congress has been more than happy to let it go because nobody has to make a decision that might get them unelected.
1: So go ahead, Doc. Doc. And then, and similar to that, um, Obamacare is a nice example, but you know, the agency state that y'all talked about earlier um, is a big thing, too, That where the legislature's abdicated its responsibility. Uh, I mean, when you read Obamacare, I mean, 50 bazillion times in it, it says the secretary shall dot, dot, dot. And basically, it's a law that says HHS is going to get to do whatever the hell they want um, to set this up, do that. You know work on the other thing and you know they wash their hands of the whole thing they don't have to make a single decision about obamacare other than we made obamacare run with it hhs go have a nice day and then they got butt hurt when trump's hhs started cutting things um out of it
3: i was just waving at mrs de gort who happened to while brush by in the background Frame. So I'm sorry, did, did, Mandy, did you have something you wanted to add to this topic?
4: Yeah, and I, you know, you guys are totally right. I mean, you've got the, the whole courts, you know, looking at the super legislative function they've kind of taken on. And I read the whole fact that you've got so many agencies, whether it's HHS, whether it's the EPA, what they couldn't get through legislatively, they've gone back and have these unelected bureaucratic agencies go ahead and come up with all these policies, whether it's environmental policies that cripple business. Whether it's the CDC with these masks, and again, again, what really terrifies me is how easily and willingly people gave up their freedoms to some unelected bureaucratic, organi- you know, agency just for the idea of they were really going to be safe or they're going to protect them. When, when they don't, it was just more of a control issue, and I think that's really it frightens me that people are so willing to and so almost expect that to happen. They don't even raise really a red flag about it. And, you know, people keep talking about term limits on Congress. And I think, you know, as much as these guys go in there and enrich themselves and in there for years, I think it would be even worse if we had term limits, because there's some semblance that they kind of do run the government, your representatives, in theory. But realistically, it's really the bureaucracy. And if you take that breakout where, you know, every two or three, you know, terms, you're wiping clean the slate for the brain to a bunch of legislators, those are, those government organizations are just going to have free reign. There's really going to be no oversight. Nobody's going to have an idea what they're even doing. And I think it's going to come to a point where they're going to be meaningless. And I, in some ways, just like everything goes to the courts, I, I really think that our friends on the other side of the aisle aren't so upset about that. In fact, for them, course. it's be, it's better. But you wouldn't you think that it. it's possible? But wouldn't you think,
1: Mandy, it's possible that if you had a group of people that were there for eight years, uh, you know, in the House and twelve years in the Senate, um, they would kind of not worry about, you know, the ramification of tearing stuff down or getting rid of things. I mean, we have uh, in Nash- Nashville our Metro Council has very strict term limits, two terms, and you know they're far from perfect, but I mean it has eliminated a lot of the corruption and a lot of the graft and a lot of that from the. From the uh, metro council people, at least, um, you know we didn't have an overwhelming bureaucracy because it's a small city. Um, that you know was firmly ensconced, as you bring up the federal government is. But I think that you know if you had people there for you know a shortened period of time, and be- as such, they're not going to be able to be corrupted because they're not there long enough to pay back people bribing them. You know, as you know, a twenty-year senator, or twenty twenty-five-year senator you know, can do. Um, So I just think that...
0: 46-year senator.
1: 46-year senator, yes.
4: I I don't know. I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, people can do a lot of damage even in 100 days, let alone (laughs) for years. I mean, it it gets to a point where I I get you. There there is no ideal solution. You you hope that the people that you elect as public servants, remember that's what they're to serve the public. But that has long since become a quaint notion for a lot of people.
3: Well, the, the trick could honestly be applying the term limit concept to government employment period. So if, you know, if you're in an agency, you got eight years or 10 years, you're not going to get a pension. You're not going to get, it's not your lifetime job. You can come in and get some experience, figure some stuff out. You might want to keep a few people around longer. Um, But, you know, you, that that's the problem. It's the congressional staff that Mandy was pointing at. And that, you know, and then you've got the other issue with, You know, and it's the the bureaucracy and the agencies. It's a similar thing. The people get in there and they get their agendas, and they're never getting kicked out. And it's just they they weasel their way in there, dig in, and they wait for the Republican administrations to pass, and then they just push everything through. And that's that's what's going on now. You can't tell me that some of the rules that they've put up for notice weren't pre written.
4: Oh, absolutely.
3: I mean, I just know that some of these places were sitting on rules that they wanted to put in, like at the EPA to the, you know, everybody's like, oh, the EPA has been hollowed out. And I'm like, bullshit. I said, there's no way. I said, the true believers. They stay. wait,
4: they wait, they wait. And they wait. Yeah, sure. You know what the problem is, too, is we've given over so much control of the federal government, things that should be really the state's responsibilities. A lot of these states have abrogated their duties. And, you know, you look at a state like, you know, I'm not going to. Deny that COVID was a disaster, man-made disaster on, on two fronts. One, I think from a certain country who decided they can't have good protocols in their lab. Two, from a government that decided that anything to get Trump out, you know, we're going to shut the economy down. You know, it, it just it, it gets to, to a point where I think if the states had a little more control and didn't rely so much on the federal government, especially like states like New York, Illinois, where you know deep down. This had nothing to do with people's safety. This had everything to do with if we hold out long enough, they'll bail us out. We won't change our spending habits. We'll, they'll get bailed out. They'll hold us for another thirty years. And thirty years from now, hopefully, have another pandemic, and we can hit the government up again for another trillion dollars to bail us out from our pension plans.
3: And they're still raising our taxes in New York. And I think the same. They're trying to do the same in Illinois again.
4: Oh yeah, you should be pissed. I just saw an a interesting article. Florida spends, I think, a quarter of what you spend on education, and their schools are like twice. They have twice as scores are are twice as good as New York's. I mean, it's incredible. It's Uh, not a question of money. It's a question of what the unions are doing.
3: Correct. But I mean, if you want to get into it, I mean, we could segue here because I think it'd be a good segue into when you're talking about sort of term limits on and sort of the effect of entrenched bureaucrats. That's one of my huge objections. I mean, that's what screwed up Virginia, meaning all the D.C. bureaucrats who's moved out to Northern Virginia to get away from the hellhole that is D.C. And then, you know, but why would you do, why would you make, give the government basically, because they are the government, you know, they're all the government employees or people whose jobs depend on the government at, you know, within one or two levels of remove, you know, if you're not getting a government paycheck, you're basically getting a government paycheck because you're either there to lobby them or contract for them, you know, in some way, shape or form. I mean, everybody, there's no industry in DC, none, except for maybe making beer, distilling the nationals the, the the team known as the redskins you know, i'm just going to call them the redskins because hell the hell with it um oh, you know they're the out redskins. in Maryland. yeah ral john Maryland. but it, that's another basis for objection to dc being a state is you're basically giving government itself two senators and an electoral a di- you know so you get two electoral votes plus at least one co- congress critter you know and then you can get into and the, the whole
1: reason it was even but, and the only reason we have DC is because they did not want to put the capital in a state, period, end yeah, of so, statement. And if you want to just change it so people don't live in DC, it's just a commercial zone and a and a government zone and like there's some restaurants and some businesses and some government buildings and that's it. And all the people, a chop you zone. can now put this up.
2: Yeah.
4: We'll
1: be right back.
2: Hi, I'm Gary, the owner of the best and only dog boarding house on the Plateau of Lang, Menopause. Menopause offers boarding and daycare for man's best friend. We also offer a dog bath, grooming, pedicures and all the pampering your dog needs because there are no bad dogs. Ouch. Every Halloween we have the world's only daunted house for dogs. Ouch. So if you've got a little Bichon all the way up to a new fee, get We need menopause. We're at Flegel in Westmoreland across from the liquor locker Oh my god. Now back to our show So
0: so let me let yeah, me, make a theme let me park. rewind Yeah let me rewind earth and, on earth. Yeah, let me rewind and, and set this up. Let me read uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution, right, Congress shall have the power to exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square as may by cessation of particular states and acceptance of Congress become the seat of the government of the United States and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislator. Of the state which the same shall be for erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings. Don't get excited there, Peter. You did that so, from memory. I did do that from memory. So, look, it's it's in the Constitution, and a lot of people point out from I'll say the right hand side the the people that are against DC state, but the, the Constitution states that there should be a federal district, um, and if you read further. Right. Uh, You know, constitutional lawyers have have looked at it and it says they pretty much agree that constitutionally it appears that Congress neither required to provide for a locally elected government for this district, nor are they precluded from delegating its powers over the district. Um, But the court has indicated that the exclusive jurisdiction granted was meant to exclude any question of state power over the area and was not intended to require Congress to exercise all the powers itself. So they kind of indicate that they don't want it a state power over the federal district because of the undue influence that could happen. So, uh, Zard, do you want to do you want to lead off into this? You've been, I think, pent up on it a little bit.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, the, the whole con- concept of it to me is ludicrous. As I said before, it just totally comes down to the fact. That just like uh, suddenly, you know, they want Puerto Rico to become a state, is they just want the senators. Um, you know, they're not asking to have, you know, the Dakotas split into four states, which would give them, you know, additional Republican senators. They've targeted key, what they perceive to be uh, Democrat heavy locations and want to m- make states out of these places simply because they want the senators. They know they don't have the power, they don't have the votes to do it fairly. Um, you know, it, to, to my mind, it's almost. It's almost ridiculous to even talk about it like this, because, you know, you see on, on social media, the people saying that, you know, uh, in Wyoming, one senator represents uh, eight people, whereas, uh, you know, in, in California, they each senator represents 40 uh, something million people. You know, it's the same thing with D.C. They They know constitutionally it can't be a state. They know it shouldn't be a state. They know all this. They just don't care.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, and yes, you're exactly right. I mean, that's that should be the end of the issue. But, it, you know, I mean, it's just practically, I mean, Puerto Rico's bankrupt. I mean, why would you want it to be, it'd be like making Chicago a state? Chicago's bankrupt. I mean, it just is. You know, New York City's bankrupt because everybody left. I mean, they don't have the money to pay for half the shit they're doing. You know, and, and the D.C. government... At least, you know, as long as I've been alive, and I haven't lived in DC in a while, but I was there during the fun crack war era of Mayor for Life, Mary Berry. You know, it's the DC has forever been a shit show. Ever since they decided to let DC govern itself, it's been horrible. It's just been a horrible place to live. It's been an overtaxed place. They blame everybody else for their problems, and it's, it's just ghastly. And the, the worst part is they can't even do the job of a state because, I mean, if you look at the D.C. public schools, they've just gotten worse. I mean, for 50 years, fifty almost 52 years I've been alive, they've been awful, just horrible schools. I guess Wilson used to be good, used to be marginally good. But, I mean, if you get to the high school level, I don't even know if some of these schools still exist, but like spingarn and Ballou and Anacostia, I mean, they're just horrible i mean it's like it's like a holding pen for juvenile delinquents and the sad thing is there are a lot of smart kids i know there are in these neighborhoods who never get a chance to be smart and to just not have to deal with the shit show that goes on around them with the violence and the drugs and the you know the mocking people for being smart and all that stuff it's just it's a nightmare and dc hasn't solved it and they won't because because of the unions you know so i guess maybe that is state-like but why would we want another state like that
0: Right. And fast forward then, right? Say say hypothetically that it does become a state. Can you imagine the taxes needed just to be self-sustaining like a, any other state would be? Although self-sustaining might not be the right term, floundering. Um, but, but try to govern yourself and the taxes required to put the infrastructure in place to do that, that the federal government is currently underwriting. I would argue you become a state, that federal underwriting goes away because you're now a state. So you get treated like every other state, and oh, by the way, you're a relatively small state population wise so your proportionality is going to be pretty small from the federal government. You don't really have any big highways or anything else that they're going to help maintain so so how are you going to survive i and and as Peter's saying, they don't have a great track record of doing this even in their quote unquote home rule era as of the last i don't know thirty, forty, fifty years kind of thing so. Can't can't you all envision that they become a state and then there's a huge flight from it because the tax base is going to erode because people are going to get out of it because it's going to turn into such a shit show.
2: Tax I'm not even sure that Arizona should be a state. I'm going back to 1912. Yeah, but the senators won't.
1: The, the senators won't leave DC. The the two of them will keep a keep their homes. and The baseball stay there.
3: team. The, the baseball team. The senators or the actual senators senators.
1: Actual senator senators. senators. If D.C. becomes a state, those two senators, they ain't going anywhere. No.
3: Mm -mm. Well, and here's the other thing. I mean, if you look at it practically, and I guess they dealt with this somewhat, but it was just precatory language. Basically, I wish language, you know, in, in the legislation, from what I've heard, there's a there's a at least a clause, if not a section dealing with. Well, of course, to do this, we need to get rid of, I forget, the 23rd Amendment, the one that gave D.C. electoral votes. You know, and, you know, in return for voting for president, you know, so I'm kind of like, you can't. So you're basically admitting you can't do this. It's not doable unless you amend the Constitution. Because if you left three electoral votes in DC, then it would be the president and the president's wife or husband, or whichever way that works out without judgment, <laughs> or, and the vice president and the vice president's spouse. And that'd be it, right? I mean, in theory, I mean, not even the Supreme, Supreme Court justices wouldn't live in D.C. because the D.C. be pared down to just, what, the mall? And, like, you know, the Capitol? And maybe Union Station just for giggles? Uh, who knows? Because Joe likes Amtrak. Computer, um,
2: where, where are they going to put the state capital? Where's the ooh, state fair going to be? Well, right in the mall? They gonna anacostia. Sell, anacostia. Like, They're going to have
3: to <laughs> keep Anacostia. That'd be great. Or Haynes Point. They'll put it down on Haynes Point. Um,
2: what are they going to call this state? washington's already taken oh they've talked about it here
0: um i have to i'll have to look it's i heard it it's some crazy name
3: oh it's like um douglas it's frederick Douglass's name in it right even though douglas had lived much of his life in rochester new york after being a slave from maryland from maryland yeah he was a republican and interestingly i didn't know this but you know so you had harriet tubman who was from maryland and then you've got Frederick Douglass, who is from Maryland, you know, both born into slavery, were some of the like you know, leading voices in the abolitionist movement. I mean, just you know, or, or workers through, or you know, you know, the, some of the greatest heroes of the abolitionist movement. And it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I think the real,
0: I think ahead. the current bill says that it would create yeah, HR fifty one create the state of Washington comma Douglas Commonwealth, yeah. named after Frederick Douglass. Two S's.
2: Why they just call it Columbia. That's racist.
3: <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe we can come up with some better names for it. You know, Yeah, I don't, you know.
2: Swamp Doodle.
3: Swamp Doodle. That'd be good. That's a good one. That used to be uh yeah. I don't know, Dog Town. With... Boggy bottom. So bottom.
0: Yeah. So hey look a, another good thread here and, and maybe let's wrap Mandy into it is um is that it comes down part of this is coming down to uh the system of government that we have and the fact that we do have a bicameral nature and the House of Representatives is the legislative body that represents the people and the Senate represents the states. So Mandy, do you have some thoughts on kind of that current debate as far as uh where the left is pushing this? Your well, yeah. mom's your mom's
4: bicameral. Hey, easy, easy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I think this boils back down to the whole fact that two things. One, people believe that we're a democracy, not understanding that we are a federal republic. People don't understand or or maybe don't care that there's a really specific reason why this is set up this way. Because otherwise you get the rule of the majority, 50 plus one. Basically you can say I can take anything I want. There's that old meme that goes around the Internet every once in a while about a republic says, you know, this is your property and, you know, the government can't take it. And it says, well, if we're a democracy, these 50 plus one people can take your bike, whatever, and take your property at will. And I think that's what people don't understand. They think it's a populist movement. They think because but their ideas are popular. They've got more people that that's the way it should be. Not realizing that whether it's concentrated on the East Coast or West Coast, you've got these very liberal enclaves. There's a whole other part of the country that doesn't want to live under those kinds of, you know, rules or, you know. Um, statutes or beliefs or what have you. And it works both ways. I think they don't realize that it, that that system not only protects them or protects us from their wild ideas, it also protects them from some conservative ideas. That things have to go through the legislature, they have to be you know voted on, and there's a reason why, again, I, I, I've got to say this, there's a reason why the government is designed to move slow. It's frustrating, sure, but you ram things through, nobody looks at the consequences. They think because it feels good. We're doing something. And that's what that's to this day what bothers me about the government the most is that instead of just being there, they think they've got to do something. Because if God forbid they don't do something, what are they there for?
2: That's what governments are for getting a man's way.
4: And they'll pass the most ludicrous legislation with the most off the wall ideas just look like they're doing something because that way I'm productive. Look what I'm doing for you. I'm your representative. I'm bringing this through. And it's it, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, they don't care. It's there. That's that motion and action. You know, it, people confuse the two. But again, I think people really don't understand that we are a democratic country in the fact that we were able to vote, but that we're not a democracy. And I think if people got true democracy, I think it would terrify them because they would realize very quickly that my voice isn't heard. There is no representation for me.
3: Well, you and, would also you, you'd also have very different laws that a lot of the left wouldn't like. I mean, th- you know, the, what abortion would look very different.
4: Oh, you know, I, I think,
3: mean, you, yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, just you, tons of stuff would look very, very different than it does now. If it you'd, have
4: just, your, you'd have your civil war. If people, keep, you know, you people on both sides, well, yeah, the Civil War is here. You do that, I think you're going to. You'd see people that are so disenfranchised because they would have no voice at all. That I, I think you'd have some. You know, you'd have a problem. You'd have a real problem. Partial,
0: yeah. partial birth abortion bans generally pull sixty percent or higher. Yeah, right on a national scale. You want to pass that? School choice vouchers, particularly among African American communities, pull at extremely high numbers in the seventies to eighties. Are you going to pass AD. that? Voter ID. ID. Yeah. Yep. 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 Exactly. These are all popular things with people.
3: Well, and, you know, to get back to the representation thing, you know, and it's like how, you know, we need to have this representative government, you know, so instead of a direct democracy, that's really, you know, why we need to make D.C. a state.
0: You're an idiot. No, no, no. Don't be like that. Practically everyone is.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> now, here's And just to back to I, I, Mandy, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's just very well put but it's just one of those things it's like dc's just that idea of it being a stage is crazy and the other part is the people that are bitching about it the loudest knew damn well because they all moved there i mean it's not like this was suddenly sprung on them i mean i haven't seen you know i'm sure it's there and gort can correct me if i'm wrong gorty because it's but it's not really coming from the the people that were born in DC. I mean, I'm sure there's some of it now that it's come up. I'm sure they like some of this stuff, but they're not the driving force behind it. And again, the people that were born in the DC, in DC are not for the most part white. And they're not for the most, I think it's getting more Hispanic and there's probably more Hispanics born in DC itself now. But if you look back at it, I mean, the, it, it, mostly in my lifetime, the people actually born in D.C. that live in D.C. and didn't move there with a the government or after it have been black. You know, it might, and it's. I
4: have know. a question, not living in the D.C. area. I mean, how bad is it that Maryland won't take them back? I mean, for God's sake, can it be more worse than Baltimore? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you would think it would just absorb them back in and be done with it. That way they get their representation. They get their you know, representative in Congress that can actually vote. As opposed to what they have now, where they just sit there as a figurehead, and there's no worrying about, like you said, a state capital. There's no worrying about setting up an entire new infrastructure for all those state things: driver's license, license plates, everything else you're going to need. They become just another you know, large metropolis within the Maryland governmental umbrella. Yeah, how many of these people?
1: But how many of these people? I mean, this is going to sound awful, but how many of these people are um, you know? Bringing money, it would be bringing money into that state coffer as opposed to draining that state coffer with public assistance.
4: Those people all live in Virginia.
0: <laughs> but, but that's yeah. not even the issue,
4: right? No, I know. But I'm just bringing issue. that up.
1: Like, because if I'm the governor of yeah. Maryland and somebody says, Hey, do you want all the people from DC? And I'd be like, Well, how's that going to affect my budget? <laughs> you know, is it going to have more money going out than coming in from the state budget and, you know, entitlements? No,
0: I- it gets even more basic than that, right? Maryland is a heavily blue state, seven to two, roughly, Democrats to Republicans. So the Democrats in the legislature know that this isn't the play because they lose the the Senate representation by not having an additional state. So Maryland's not going to make any move towards saying, "Yeah, we'll take it back. We'll, you know, say it back to us." So they don't want it, and DC's not going to offer that up either because, you know, I was on this long Twitter debate a couple. You know, last week about this with someone who is arguing that Maryland has to request it, which not true. Um, that's not how Alexandria and Arlington went back to Virginia. Right. They they accepted it. They passed a resolution to accept it, but they don't have to request it. So there's no and, and there's a precedent here for for D.C. to say to, to, to give back property.
3: Retrocession.
0: Retrocession. Thank you
3: retrocede would be the verb
0: there you go yes.
2: you have really lovely eyes mr pewter they twinkle
3: like a drunken irish leprechaun
0: so i know uh that the czar needs to leave us here shortly i don't know if we want to wrap up with uh some banter from the czar well i'm
2: always good for banter what shall i banter? we could talk about the ban too we should banty
1: about
3: Banty. Banty things about what what
1: should we ban- banter about Well, what about the lack of civics education? I mean, honestly, like, you know, when I was in school and when you guys were in school, I mean, we were taught civics. I mean, I had an American history teacher who, yeah, she was a Marxist, but, um, you know, she taught civics like she was a libertarian. Um, And she saw the Constitution as a how-to manual to exact change, not go around the Constitution, undermine the Constitution, get rid of the Constitution. She was like, apply the Constitution to get change across and that's why she was so passionate about teaching it to my class because she was hoping we'd all grow up to become little revolutionaries but I mean I think wow. I haven't talked to her but I think she would be exa- aghast at the fact that her party the democrat party they want to go around the rules and have no respect for the rules because she taught all of us to you know love respect cherish the form of government that we had that was created it wasn't perfect but it was what?
2: A principled Marxist? Uh,
1: she was a principled Marxist. She was a Quaker, huh. so yeah, she was she was she was different. I think she was a crypto libertarian too, like a left libertarian or something. But she was oh, she's
2: Quaker, so she's a nonviolent revolutionary.
1: Yeah, she's a nonviolent revolutionary. She's an evolutionary. I don't know, but uh, but the point is, it's like retrocede. You know, a lot of kids are not being taught civics. I mean, my kids are, but they go to private school and. <laughs> um, you know, millennials don't seem to have one ounce of understanding. I mean, clearly on Twitter, when anyone even talks about why we don't have a proportional Senate, I'm like,
4: what planet are you guys on?
2: You know? Well, so- see, I maintain that they do know why. They just don't care.
4: Yeah. And here's the other thing, too. I, I, you know, I think civics are being taught, but you're also having institutions teach kids to hate this country, that this country is evil, and it's nothing to be celebrated, and it's to be reviled and you can teach how the constitution works all you want but if you're you're, you know your basis on top of all that is the fact that this country is flawed it's built on a, a bad principle it's built on slavery it's built on white supremacy who cares if you're teaching the kids how the constitution works because they don't believe that to them it's something that needs to be eradicated because the system is flawed it's it's an evil white system and i that's what scares the hell out of me. The fact that you get this critical race theory coming into schools, you've got this 1619 project that Biden wants to push back in after Trump, you know, eliminated it. If you don't love your country, and I'm not saying that you got to be, you know, we to be sitting there with armbands walking through the streets marching. I don't want that kind of love of country either. But I think there's got to be a healthy patriotism, a healthy understanding that warts, scabs and, and all this, this is our country. And this is the last bastion of freedom. Guess what? When this is, this doesn't work here. Nobody's coming to resupply us, and there's going to be no ammo drop from anybody else. We're on our own. So if we let it fall here, there's nowhere to go. It's I
3: don't know. It, I don't. First of all, I think kids are generally dumbasses. I mean, some of them just not that they're not intelligent. I think there are many intelligent kids. I just think they're dumbasses because they've been haven't been educated or they're they have no they have no world experience, right? And it comes back to lots of things. I mean, it's like you know. I'm um, sidetrack here re- briefly, but it's sort of like risk tolerance. My, our generation, Gen X for most of us, I think all of us, was really the first generation not to have a mass draft and a war, like in probably American history, give or take. I mean, there were some years where we didn't, but I mean, you know, it's so people came up like, you know, my grandparents lived through the Depression and World War II. Right. And early in their lives, World War One, they didn't see that, you know, and so they had whole generations of traumatized people sort of going through and going, we can see how bad things can get, you know, and I don't think we have that. And to sort of hop back, I think that's why you've seen some of the that they were surprised, like with some of the Hispanic vote shifting to you know more Republican is <laughs> because they're like, no, no, we've seen this show before. You know, we don't necessarily love the Republicans, but this shit's crazy, and this is how things go bad, and this is why we got the hell out of our country, you know, and it's it's just – they don't know what they don't know, partially because they haven't been taught it, and partially because they don't have the experience, and partially because nobody fucking reads a goddamn book other than Harry Potter, it seems. You know, it's, it's like, just read something, read, it's not even talking about like weird sort of like pre-revolutionary era history, just read something about the 1950s or World War II or World War One or how we get into these shit shows and why we shouldn't have been in Afghanistan for 20 years, you know, and stuff like that. It's just, but anyway, I'm sort of tangential here. Can we have another topic or?
4: But this isn't well, what they're being fed in schools though. That's the yeah. problem. I mean, if you go to a good probably a private school, it's in a more conservative area, you're probably going to learn history. But in these union-run democratic hellholes that kids can't get school choice to get out of, I mean, they're being spoon-fed this almost, I'd almost say revolutionary type ideas. And again, how do you know? If you're getting no other exposure, how do you know that it's not the right thing, especially as your young, malleable mind?
0: Well, and I would also argue that besides all of these points, there is a desire, maybe maybe desire or a need by people on the left that they want the federal government to answer it, and they have totally bypass their local and their state governments for these solutions. I mean, imagine if we could push half of these things down to the state level. I would argue that they would be more effective, more efficient in delivery than the federal government can do. But instead, and and I would actually blame that that shift to uh, essentially on technology and on the the broad access that we have now for national news, the internet where we get twenty four hour news cycles. So you hear what's going on all over. So let's uh let's wrap it up here. Uh so I'm Gore T.
2: been good talking. Czar? Yes, I am. And uh it's been a lot of fun as always. And it's nice to see the uh five of us seem to really keep our leashes on today. This is probably gonna be quite enjoyable for the listener. Indeed. Peter?
3: I'm still here <laughs> Am I muted? Is this how you unmute? Wait, no. No, I had a good time. It's always good to talk with with all of you. And especially, I especially like seeing Bull Guys smiling face today. That was my favorite part of the whole podcast was just his presence and his
1: valuable thoughts. And it was just wonderful. So goodbye, everybody. I'll see you soon. Dr. J? Yeah, it's been too long since we've done this. It's uh, good to talk to you guys again. Um, Always fun tuning in.
0: And the Mandarin.
4: It was very enjoyable. I love it. And as always, obey me.
0: All right. Talk. See you soon. Listeners, reach out to us on Twitter and let us know if, if you agree, disagree, um, or if there's other topics you'd like to hear us talk about.
3: Reverse Godzilla.